Hi everyone, I'm Mike Briggs and this is the Innovators and Collaborators podcast where we get to listen and learn from some of Australia's leading innovators, both big business and small, who are using innovation to help solve the many complex challenges we're all facing today, like meeting net zero carbon emission targets and maintaining productivity in this rapidly changing world. And while we're all living and doing business through some of the most challenging times in history, this is one of the most exciting times of innovation and collaboration. And that is what this podcast is all about. As Head of Innovation for ABB here in Australia, I'm having some brilliant conversations with organisations and thought leaders who are also pushing beyond the boundary. I thought, how good would it be if everyone could hear about the incredible momentum that is going on and celebrate what they've been doing. So without further ado, I'm excited to welcome my very first guest, Scott Davis, the Innovation Lead for Minerals Australia BHP, who is playing an instrumental role in one of the most innovative and collaborative efforts in the country right now. With the Charge on Innovation Challenge, a global competition for technology innovators to help decarbonise the mining industry by electrifying large-scale haul trucks. Welcome, Scott. Thanks, Mike. Uh, Nice to be here and thanks for your kind words. Good on you, mate. Thanks for being here. I'm really excited today just to see where this conversation is going to take us. I mean, for me, I'm thrilled to understand what your view around innovation is and we know that innovation, after all, is about disrupting the traditional thinking about creating real solutions and meeting the challenges of today. So I wanted to kick off and just ask you to maybe tell us about your story. Tell me about your journey that has brought you here to this role today. Okay, thanks, Mike. And uh, as you said, uh, originally I'm a mining engineer and I worked in iron ore and gold mining across a number of different countries and got to a point where I took some uh, time out to travel. And in that time... That allowed me some reflection and, and I went back to university to do a master's in renewable energy, which I completed in 2004. And my dissertation, incidentally, was in greenhouse abatement in open pit mining. Correct. And at that point in time, it was, it was pretty early days in the decarbonisation story. And, you know, I think mining wasn't quite ready to change at that point. They were certainly doing small things and important things, but uh, it wasn't until much later that momentum starting to, started to build. Mm. So that, that master's led me out of direct mining engineering roles into various management and consulting roles. And I worked across probably the next 15 years in sustainability, supply chain planning, organizational development, as well as uh, marketing and product development roles. Yeah. That was across the mining and energy sectors. And it started to look like a little bit of a homemade MBA. So I thought I'd go and do a, a finance course as part of an MBA just to round that off, which which was quite handy. And in 2015, I, I started my own business, which was really driven by a motivation to to be able to get involved in, in a few different endeavors that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to do. And that, that included ocean energy, converter, technology development, uh, flow batteries, and energy optimization software. But on a personal level, you know, I feel very connected to the mining decarbonization story. And, you know, around 2018, I, I started to notice that 
the industry was taking a lot more definitive action and, and steps forward in, in regards to abatement. And I wanted to be a part of that. And so in 2019, an opportunity came up in BHP to join and um, join the innovation team and be a, a part of that transition. Uh, I embraced it and I'm glad I did. Yeah, yeah. I think that sustainability has been around for a while and greenhouse gas has been something we've talked a lot about. So was it that, you know, background sustainability that sort of drew you into the, the mining industry and thought, you know, how can I add value here? What can I do differently? What can we do differently as a, as a company? Look, I think it was, uh, it was a combination of the, the renewable energy work that I had been involved in and my mining background that, that I just thought that was a, a combination that worked really hand in hand and, and it was just something that I felt that I could add value to in bringing both of those perspectives to the table. Yeah, I think that's the thing. When I talk to people, they always come from, you know, weird backgrounds, crazy backgrounds that aren't necessarily directly, you know, coming out of a mining background, and they're, but they're working in mining. And they're using that really diverse background experiences and thinking how, you know, how can I relate that to what I'm doing now? You know, coming from renewable space into mining, you know, that must have been a transition, right? Yeah, well, and also starting in mining and going to the uh, renewables or the electricity sector was also quite a transition. And and I think you're right. It, it's that diversity of thought and, and diversity of different experiences that really help with innovation and, and even in the electricity sector, you know, being able to take my mining experiences and, and sort of look at things in a different way in that sector I also found quite useful as, as well as having that electricity sector background now coming back into mining. Yeah, absolutely. You can drag that technology back across the, across the borders. So what about innovation? What does it mean to you when, we, when you hear that? Yeah, well, look, I think uh, often to have uh, discussions over a glass of wine in, in terms of what innovation is all about and what it means. And it, it is uh, quite dangerous to ask that question at times. But I think, look, for me, it, it, it probably sits alongside business improvement. But the difference being that, and certainly how we look at it here at BHP is, is probably along the lines of looking at ideas that are novel and useful that you can't go out and buy from a supplier today as opposed to say business improvement where it's more those technologies are available and it's how do you implement them. The other thing I'd add there, Mike, is something that is a little bit different in in my role at BHP compared to maybe some other kind of innovation or product development roles that I've done is this idea of customer-led innovation. Yeah. Where, you know, we're really focused on looking upstream at our suppliers and how do we incentivize them to innovate and provide us the products that we need in order to decarbonize. So just sticking with the innovation sort of subject, what is it that drew you to that innovation role, you know, for BHP? What was the, the reason, the attraction, I guess? I think the, the the overwhelming reason would have been just the the opportunity to make a contribution on that decarbonisation journey, and and I think you know mining has been uh, a little bit of a you know it has had a brand 
which is not exactly being green in yeah. the past. Yeah, right. And and I think if you look at the industry now in terms of decarbonizing, but also producing the the metals which are going to be critical to to build the wind farms and the, the solar panels and batteries and so on. You know, it's a real opportunity for us as an industry to rebrand as making a real meaningful contribution to society. So I think that was really appealing for me personally. Yeah. It is that rebranding, isn't it, around BHP, you know, minerals to really driving technology in the industry and how that you can, you know, have an impact on Australia's economy and our sustainability you know, approach as well. I mean, it's a massive target, right? I mean, it's going to be, this is going to be an industry-led process. It's not going to be the government who are driving. This is going to be companies and organisations with motivated people that are leading this passion for sustainability, yeah? It's a good point, Mike. And and actually, uh, having worked in government trading entities and in, in the policy area in the electricity sector, it's a very stark difference if you look at how decarbonisation is viewed in the electricity sector very much through that filter of government policy, whereas I think in the mining industry, the miners are really just being driven for various reasons to decarbonise and are really just looking at how do we get on with it and, and, and get the job done. Yeah, it's a great point. And, you know, from my experience when I've talked to BHP, you know, as well, they're very driven around how they can continue to improve production and, and get value for the shareholders and so forth. And I, I, they're taking that same thing, that same feeling and motivation and, and urgency with them into this, into this, you know, emission targets, aren't they? Yeah, I think the, the whole social value agenda is very important here at BHP. And, and that's not just in terms of decarbonisation, but that's also in how we work with our the traditional owners uh, where we operate and looking at uh, opportunities for, for local businesses to develop and, and diversity and, and all of those things. So this does fit within that broader social value strategy, which, which is important to us. Absolutely. So, but for you, I mean, personally... What is it? I mean, this is an opportunity, right? And they don't come along very often to really have a real impact and, you know, not only on mining but also, you know, how Australia, how we operate and how, you know, our expectation around sustainability as well. So is it is it your dream? Is it really the dream, your dream to, to be right in the forefront and driving these opportunities? Uh, it, it certainly is. I mean, it's... You know, I feel very fortunate to, to be a part of the work that I'm doing. And, you know, it, it feels like it's important work and work that is going to make a difference. So personally, I find that very motivating. And I think working with BHP, it, it certainly provides a platform where you, you do have a lot more reach and the ability to create things that you don't have in, in a lot of, certainly a lot of smaller companies, you don't have those kind of opportunities to, to make such a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think also when I think about, you know, BHP's Charge on Challenge, you know, underlying that is obviously an outcome, but it's, do you think it's also about connecting small business, you know, businesses that wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity to collaborate 
um, you know, because you're working across diverse what was competitors, right? You know, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, and now they're working on a joint outcome. How, how do you see that? Yeah, well, look, I think uh, certainly working with our supply chain, and and if you look at you mentioned in the introduction there about being in lockdown and and the the changes with COVID that that have has affected everyone. You know, we certainly made some changes to reduce our uh, time to payment for small businesses when COVID starting to happen as, as a good example of well, I guess another example of social value and and being responsive to. To different parts of the supply chain where it really matters. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, and you know, today we're talking about innovators and collaborators, and I would love to hear a little bit more about the Charge on Challenge. You know, our audience would be interested definitely to understand what's the motivation behind that and how you, you know, together with a whole group of other companies working around decarbonisation, you know, how do you bring those stakeholders together that were competitors, but now they're, they're working together? Yeah. So tell us, tell us about it. Yeah, well, look, this is this has been a uh, a great project which has consumed certainly a lot of my time this year. So the the challenge is really how do we charge or deliver 400 kilowatt hours of electricity into a battery electric truck safely without impacting on productivity. So that was the problem statement that that we arrived at. And, and I guess that we started looking at it in terms of, you know, we had conversations that were ongoing and are still ongoing with our original equipment manufacturers of, of our trucks. And we were looking at how do we decarbonize them and battery electric trucks are, are certainly a, a popular option. It, it's not the only option, uh, but it's certainly number one on our list to progress. And it, it became clear in that that, okay, well, we, we might take delivery of a battery electric truck, but how are we going to integrate that into our operations and, and keep it charged? So that really formed that problem definition statement. And we had been talking in particular to Valet and Rio Tinto around, you know, is there an opportunity to work collaboratively on these decarbonisation challenges? And so we brought to the table this idea of the charge on challenge and this particular problem statement, which both Vale and Rio felt they had that same challenge and, and they were looking to solve it. And, and then we decided that we would join together and work on this as a collaboration. So initially we, we got uh, Ostmine involved so that we could have an independent facilitator to run the challenge for us. And then we opened up the invitation to any other mining companies who were also looking to solve that same challenge. And look, the response that we got was exceeded my expectations, you know, twofold. So we ended up being a total of 21 mining companies from around the world, some small, some large. And, you know, we've all come together around this, this common problem. And I think the appeal of that is, you know, it's demonstrated to the broader market that this problem exists. There's a large market there who are looking for products in order to solve that problem. And we've really focused then the voice of the customer to product developers to say, look, here's our customer requirement, if you like, and here's an indication of what the market size is. 
And then we've been able to solicit ideas from product developers, not just in the traditional mining sector, but we've reached out globally to to adjacent sectors as well to, to get diversity of thought in how we might be able to solve this problem. So there's probably another couple of things that I like about the challenge in that Dana has allowed us to to pull all those ideas into the one place and, and solicit feedback from across those 21 companies and the judges that sit within those companies. So we've got about well over 100 judges who are involved in this challenge. And I liken it to the, uh, the wisdom of the crowd, which there's a great book out there uh, titled Wisdom of the Crowd. I can't remember the author's name, but it's a good read. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can put it in the podcast notes. <laughs> Definitely. But, um, I really like that it brings all of those judges together and all of that diversity of view in making an assessment on what submissions are viewed favourably and, and what could actually be implemented across the industry broadly. And then the process provides feedback, which allows those judges to provide feedback to the, the vendors who are submitting their solutions such that they can make better solutions by the time we get to the, the final submissions on the 1st of November. I just love it. I, I mean, you must be super proud, right? I mean, <laughs> the big Australian dragged all your competitors in together and now you're all collaborating together and coming together. I mean, rather than just solving the issue yourself, you've said, hey, maybe together, better, we could provide a, a, a much better solution, you know. I, I just think it's inspiring. It's an amazing outcome, right? Yeah, look, and and I'm super proud of, of the efforts of, of everyone. You know, it's, it's, you can imagine the amount of people involved in a, in a project like this. You know, the, the amount of coordination and alignment has actually been quite surprising that, you know, I, I thought it might have been more difficult than it has been. But uh, to be fair, you know, we, we've still got a way to go. I, I think even if the challenge was to end here, I, I think we've been very successful in delivering a strong message to the market to say we want solutions to this problem. But I think the real value will come in what happens next. And and that's to say, you know, how we bring the, the, the truck OEMs to the table as well as the you know, the preferred solutions that come through the challenge and how do we set that up for success so that these solutions can actually be developed, demonstrated and, and ultimately commercialised. Yeah, exactly. And, and no good idea is is worth anything unless you can actually action something around that, getting an outcome, isn't it? Putting it in place and, and seeing it value. You must be bringing a whole lot of companies together. You mentioned a couple of them, obviously Rio Tinto and and, um, and and Vale, but who else is coming? Who else is unexpectedly at the table that you wouldn't normally talk to perhaps or wouldn't they wouldn't get the opportunity to talk to you? I uh, look up. I'd do an injustice uh, if if I wasn't to mention them all. Uh, you know, I'd That's maybe okay. direct people to the uh, chargeoninnovation.com website to, Great to see all the participating companies. But um, look, I think what's what's been pleasing there is that you know we've got a diversity of different size companies from different commodities in different geographies. You know that that has led to a you know a, a few late night meetings and early morning meetings to, to capture all those time zones, but it's been well worth it. 
And I guess, you know, maybe to, to answer your question there, Mike, around who was a surprise, you know, we, we, we've even got uh, uh, a company, Yam Coal, who are a coal miner, who are looking for solutions to these problems. Tim Crude are another one that, that maybe you would have thought were an unlikely player. So, you know, it's not just the uh, iron ore, gold and copper producers, uh, you know, we, we, we've got a bit of a cross-section there. Do you reckon you're unleashing or unearthing the innovation of these companies? They're starting to really think about alternative approaches. Um, you know, I think that's something that you guys are doing really well. Mm, thank you. Yeah, it's great. So let's talk a little bit about the innovation process within BHP. What's the mantra behind innovation in BHP? Outside of the challenge, inside the challenge, wherever it is. Yeah, look, I think at BHP, we're focused on a variety of areas that that have uh, alignment to our strategy. So it's not just decarbonisation, but we're also looking at how we can be better at exploration or, or resource extraction as our, you know, all bodies get smaller and deeper. Now, there's a lot of innovation just in terms of how we extract uh, minerals from the ground that that we need to get better at as our environment changes. But but then coming back into the innovation process, you know, I, I think it is a, a difficult one to get right and, and it's probably something that, that we've tried different ways of putting the puzzle together over time. And I think one of the ways that we're looking at or how we do it currently is we've tapped into an existing... Uh, our existing studies process, which we use for our investment evaluation and, and decision making. And so we have within that, we, we have a, a step which we call an opportunity assessment, which basically looks broadly at how we might frame up different options and how we might do things differently. And for those innovative ideas that, that as I said before, that you can't go and buy off the shelf, we can spin that out into the innovation team where we can then look at all of the different techniques that you might use in innovation to to develop up a, a concept such that it's at a maturity and it has been de-risked that you can then feed it back into that traditional process where it needs to go for an investment decision for implementation. And I think that interface is critical. Yeah, absolutely. And that approach is no different whether, you know, whether that's sustainability or another process. So what about, I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's a great insight for companies that are thinking about how BHP are doing it. What about that balance between innovation and conflict and, and, and you know, making things keep moving forward, you know, because there's lots of different ideas, I'm sure. You know, how does BHP make that a safe space to to try and fail, you know, how do you get ideas that people aren't just going to laugh at? You know, how does that work for you guys? Yeah, look, I think uh, <laughs> it's a uh, it, it's an interesting question, that one. I would say that, first of all, conflict is important. Uh, I think without conflict, you don't really sort of stretch the thinking and, and really challenge the thinking, both in terms of the existing paradigm, but also in identifying the work that needs to be done in improving up new concepts. And as I said before, we're very much looking 
you know, well, certainly in the decarbonisation space, we're very much looking upstream to our suppliers for that customer-led innovation and, and how we develop that. So in the first instance, we're very much focused on how do we keep our mining method pretty much the same as we currently do it, but doing it with, you know, battery electric trucks or, or you know, low carbon, zero carbon technology. And, and obviously there's a integration and implementation piece, which, which is quite a large investment and, and quite a large disruption in and of itself. But ultimately, you know, within that paradigm, you know, you're, you're using a mining method that was derived from the use of diesel fuel, which apart from its carbon emissions is, is quite a wonderful fuel. And also that method of mining was derived from a set of technologies that have come along quite significantly in recent years, particularly with regard to autonomy and big data in, in using it for decision-making assistance and so on. So I think, you know, where all that gets you is ultimately in conflict with, well, is that the best approach or do we just take a step back and really look at doing the whole mining extraction process completely differently? And I think, you know, that certainly will be a, a conflict of what possibilities those new technologies bring to the table and, and make us all more aware over the coming years versus, you know, essentially how do we decarbonize our current sets of technology and, and mining methodology. So I think ultimately that has to come to some sort of a conflict and ultimately, you know, as a business, you have limited sort of bandwidth to apply resources to these problems. And, you know, through competition and conflict is, is how those resources eventually get allocated. So if you're talking about decarbonisation is the focus now, what's the next big thing? You know, what are you thinking about in the future that's going to turn up? You talked a little bit about digitalisation, I guess. is Where do you see it going? What's the next thing to focus on? Yeah, that's a really tough question, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I'd love the crystal ball to know for sure. <laughs> First thing I would say is there's a lot of work still to be done on, on decarbonisation. So, you know, I expect that's going to be a focus for some time to come. That said, I, I do see more and more the discussion coming forward on circular economy and source of origin of our product. So for you, circular economy, what does that mean to BHP? This is extension of life. How do you see that working? Well, what are those terms uh, like uh, sustainability that can mean yeah. many different things? Yeah, it is. A, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, for us, it's about trying to extend the life of equipment through modernisation. And then if we have to dispose that, do it well, you know, recycle it. So y you guys must be all over that. I mean, what does BHP think about that? What are they doing? Look, I, I think in terms of BHP, where we're probably still defining exactly what that means to us. You know, personally, what I think it means to me is, first of all, in terms of our supply chain, making sure that, you know, we're buying products that we know have been ethically sourced, uh, where we can account for the attributes of the content, whether it's 
you know, the energy attributes in, in terms of greenhouse gas emissions or, or lack thereof or, or otherwise. So I think then coming through, and if you, if you take that as an example of a battery that goes into a truck, that you know, knowing that, you know, we produce the, the metals like the, the nickel and the copper ultimately at zero emissions and they go to battery manufacturers to then make the batteries, which brings back those metals into our use case. So there's that kind of physical uh, reuse, uh, re- like, like the, the recycling pyramid, isn't it? It's this kind of repurpose, uh, reuse, and then ultimately recycle. But it's more than just the physicals. It's also those commercial relationships where I think there's an opportunity for our suppliers to become our customers and, and vice versa. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot more focus, isn't there, from the shareholders that people get a little bit more savvy when they're thinking about organisations and so forth and how they, yeah, their whole the whole supply chain right through. What, what about the leadership in innovation? I, I see a lot of adverts for different companies that are putting up innovation leaders, but for you personally, what, what what's behind what's behind that and how do you manage your team and all of the expectations of everyone around that as well? So within innovation, we have a very flat structure. So I don't have a team per se. I, I, I work with very closely with a colleague. And our model is very much around how do we plug ourselves into other business processes, both internally as well as external relationships and networks. So I think the model that we have is very much around sort of working smarter and utilize and providing direction to different resources that how they can help solve problems. And I think Charge On is probably a good example there of you know really defining the problem and and facilitating or enabling others to then come in and make a contribution. That, that's, I, I think you're spot on there. I, I, that's what I see that I'm doing as well. It's just connecting people and making connections to business organisations and then, you know, just getting people to work together and think about how to do things differently, right? It's a, it's a really connecting role. It is, and I think therefore, you know, in terms of makeup of, of people doing those roles, I, I, I think... You know, there's a combination and certainly what works well uh, in the team that I sit in is, you know, a combination of uh, my colleague who has quite a lot of corporate BHP experience and has a very wide web across the organisation mixed with my diversity of background as we've talked about earlier in the podcast, which I think is a really good combination to sort of bring that sort of internal and external view. Yeah. It's a diverse role, right, with a diverse group of people all thinking differently. So so essentially, I mean, what do you Herding think? Herding cats, I, I think it's the phrase, <laughs> isn't it? Do you think innovation is essential to business today? Do you think it's the core responsibility of a business to be innovative? I think the short answer is yes, but I think it's probably a bit nuanced in terms of I think different companies will and should do innovation differently. So. You know, I think it is important to have an understanding as a company of what innovation means for you 
and then how you're going to go about it. But, but I think one thing that underpins all of that is the need for improvement. And as they say, if you're not if you're not improving, you're actually going backwards. Exactly. I mean, that's that's got to be. Is that the message, BHP? Is that Scott's message to the small businesses that if you're not innovating, you're not being an entrepreneur, no matter how big or small the business is, that you're going backwards. Yes, I think so. And um, but that's not to say that you have to spend a whole lot of money to innovate. No. You just have to have that mindset. I think. Yeah, yeah, and it's just not a lot of a lot of great ideas, right? <laughs> Do, do, yeah. do, do you find it's a lonely existence at the top? Innovation, you know, is it something that is that people like being associated with? Or I always think it's sometimes. Are you the crazy guy on the hill? <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know. Look, I think um, I know what you're talking about. Look, it can be a lonely existence in a sense, and and I certainly wouldn't want to be the the sole innovation person in the company. I, I, I think you you do need that that uh, shoulder to lean on and and to be able to you know to talk about how to overcome the many challenges that you face when you're trying to improve things or trying to change things. So so yeah, I look, I think you're onto it there, Mike. Yeah, it's uh, essential. Um, so so yeah, just back to Ram. What what's the advice do you think you give to other companies, perhaps small businesses that are that are that who are innovating, and and what's the benefit that they'll see out of that process for them? Well, I I think you know you've you've got to understand what each of those companies' individual circumstances are and the context within which they operate. But I think you know the world is changing. The world is changing at a faster rate every year. So I think you've, you've continually got to be looking at how do you place yourself in that world in order to, to basically be a sustainable business. And I, and I mean that in every sense of the word or meaning of sustainability, mm. um, you know, financial sustainability, you know, is critical there. So, so I think it's, it, you know, making sure that you do have people in the business that that have the time to step out of those operational roles and really reflect and contemplate and, and ask the questions, you know, are, are we doing the right things? Are we focusing our resources and effort in the right places? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we talked a little bit about innovation collaboration today and, you know, for me, I think they, they're they essentially going hand-in-hand. Hand. What, what, what's your view around that connection between innovation and collaboration and how critical is it, do you think, for businesses? Look, for me, I think it's a way of doing innovation more cheaply. So, you know, I think if you can not only share some of the costs of innovation by doing it collaboratively, but, you know, as I spoke about with Charge On, by identifying to, to others that there's a market there for innovative products to be sold into if it's more that customer-led innovation. But also if you're sort of developing products into a market, and I'll use Charge On again as an example where, you know, we've encouraged quite actively for different vendors to collaborate within the challenge. And as we're going through it, it's becoming quite obvious that 
some companies do have the end-to-end solution, but if if that's made up of A, B, C, maybe they've got the best A and B, but not the best C. Mm, mm. So therefore, I think there will be opportunities, particularly you know, with Charge On, to look at you know how how can we get the best system by pairing up some of these different vendors to, to make the strongest product that we can. Yeah, I agree. Hey, now we know you've had a lot of international experience. So, so I think this might be a hard question too, but how do you think that Australia compares globally as far as innovation goes? Where are we? Yeah, it is a, it is a tough question to assess. From my perspective, we probably have a little bit of a, we'll give ourselves a little bit of a hard time with respect to answering that question. But you do have to look at, you know, some of the great things that have come out of Australia, like uh, Wi-Fi and spray-on skin uh, for, you know, remediation of, of burns and those kind of things. So I think, you know, from that perspective, we do, I, I believe, punch well above our weight in, in terms of creating ideas. I think on the decarbonisation front, I, I think there's, a lot of focus on what people think, say, government policy should or shouldn't be. But if, again, if you look at that, you know, in terms of uh, distributed solar or rooftop solar, we are the world leader in, in terms of solar per capita. And that has led into innovations and world leading technology in terms of how we integrate all of that distributed energy into our system, uh, electrical system. So, you know, I think there are, you know, a a number of things where, you know, we probably can stand up and and hold our heads higher than we otherwise might. But at the same token, I would say that we are a small market. And so therefore, it's probably natural that a lot of things that start off in Australia do often migrate overseas in order to scale up, in order to, you know, to reach those mass markets. But there's probably a lot of things that we can still do uh, in terms of looking at opportunities to further develop those at home before they go, you know, into those uh, global markets. So it's, um, it's much better than what we may be led to believe, yeah? We're, we're maybe leading somewhere in some of these innovation, you know, approaches that we have. Um, I think it's. Uh, I think you guys are doing a great job, um, showing us how it's been done, not only from one company but right across all of that competitive landscape that um, that sits in mining today, and that stretches globally. I mean, everything that's been done today here in Australia that'll end up overseas, like you say, with Vale, um, in the mine sites globally. Yeah, so it's a great achievement, mate. It's a great achievement. Mm, thanks, Mike. Well, crazy questions on the side. So tell me about what's your favourite podcast or TED TED Talk at the moment? So look, uh, my favourite would probably be uh, a talk by Ken Rob or Sir Ken Robinson mm. called "Do Schools Kill Creativity?" Okay, and it's actually a fairly old podcast. I think it was originally done back in two thousand and six, and the author talks about how we educate our children very much based on a 20th century factory model. And 
he, he goes on to talk about how that model actually kills creativity and how important creativity is as we move forward. And I think that's especially relevant in terms of the area of innovation where, you know, I think that's one of the core skills we should be looking for in, in people in, in who work in the innovation space going forward. So highly recommend uh, people have a look at that one if they haven't seen it already. Yeah, I was watching it. I was having a chat to my wife about it and I've got two girls. I don't know about you, Scott. I've got some kids that are at school age. Yeah, nine and six. There you go. So, and it's relevant, isn't it? I mean, what's deemed as being successful and ticking the boxes in that educational institution and what really is intelligence and what are people really good at? It's not all about the maths and science, right? I mean, you're you're a maths and science guy, but it it can be arts and it can be drawing, it can be music, you know. So it's a, I, yeah, I watched right. that. I loved it. I thought it was great. He was hilarious. So pe- people, if you're going to watch something, watch that. It's a bit of a laugh. It's a He's good, a good, good presenter. Talk. The interesting thing there, Mike, I think is, you know, you, you talk about your kids. Yeah. And and then you sort of watch that and, and you look at the, the decisions that you make about the education of your Spot own children. On. Yeah. And, and you've got to be courageous to do something different. And, and it's, it's, it's hard to find that right approach when you're talking about your children, to say, well, you know, having recognised uh, these issues, yeah. uh, how do you then go and do something different? Yeah, yeah, and I think you've got to challenge that school system every day, right, that it's fair and equitable and people are being recognised for the things that they can do well um, mm. because that's that, – isn't that what we're talking about, diversity, innovation, <laughs> creativity? Yeah. Stifling kids' innovation and being creative and coming up with ideas, and and you know, like we have that. We talked a little bit about it today. That safe environment to fail safely and just try things out and keep moving forward. We touched on a little bit about innovation and the, and what's coming. So, what's the next big challenge? Do you think that needs to be needs the innovation spirit to to, to see change? So I think, you know, as we go forward and particularly in my space, when I, when I look at bringing all of these battery electric trucks on board, plus all the batteries that are going to be required for stationary energy storage uh, to allow for higher penetrations of renewables, which ultimately, which <laughs> drives the battery charging. You know, it's, it's what are we going to do with all of these batteries at end of life? So Absolutely, I think right. There's a whole lot of learning there in terms of optimising them, making them last longer and and uh, repurposing and recycling. So yeah, I think that's probably going to be the, the coming focus more and more. Yeah, it will be all that emerging technology to reuse and extend the life. So as we come out of this pandemic, What's Scott most excited about, you know, coming, moving forward? Well, look, I, I have to say that in Perth, we've been extremely lucky and, you know, we've had very minimal impacts in terms of uh, lockdowns and the like. So so I, I feel a bit guilty about saying, well, personally, <laughs> I'd like to get out and, and travel somewhere. Sure. But... Uh, but, but certainly, yeah, we've got family on the east coast of Australia and in Chile. So, you know, we, we would certainly love the opportunity to, 
to get on a plane and 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 see them and and uh, go travelling. Yeah, absolutely. I think oh, so many Australians live for travel, don't we? The experiences that we're missing out on. This is going to be one of those mark in time events, right? We all look back and go, "What happened?" and "How do we get through it?" and <laughs> never want to go back to there again. So. Mm. Oh, good on you, mate. Excellent. I love the chat. Thanks, Mike. I know our audience would love it. There's some insights and some beautiful insights there. I reckon if you hunt through that, I wish you all the luck with the Charge On Challenge. I think it's just an absolute fantastic opportunity. And seeing what we call the Big Australian leading it, you know, makes me proud as well. So really appreciate the opportunity to to come on and, and talk to you and your listeners and really wish you all the best with the podcast series and look forward to listening to your future guests great thank you scott well what a show i hope you all got as much out of that as what i did make sure you jump onto chargeoninnovation.com if you'd like to know more about the incredible competition that's bringing together the world's tech innovators to help decarbonize mine i'd love you to drop me a line if you've got some questions about the podcast or anything else on the show details are in the podcast notes and i'll catch you next time but remember innovation and collaboration are the key to building a better future bye for now